0: I said, empty your mind, be formless, shapeless, like water. Join movement expert Aaron Alexander as he dives into the minds of the foremost innovative healthcare thinkers and movement masters on their approach to optimal health and wellness. Align Podcast.
1: Welcome, welcome, welcome. All right. Thank you so much for tuning in here. Today, I had a special privilege of chatting with Miss Mary Bond. She has been a influential character in my journey as a body worker, mover, practitioner for many years now. So thank you so much, Mary. She is one of the original disciples of Miss Ida Rolfe. Founder of Rolfing Structural Integration. She is. What else happened? She wrote a really fantastic book called New Worlds of Posture. Uh, graduated from UCLA with a Master's in Arts and Dance. She's been teaching dance, teaching movement for many, many years now. She is 74 years old, I believe. She was 74 when we, record, 73 when we recorded this. It was a little while ago. I assume she's 74 now. Um, Thank you, thank you, thank you so much, Mary, for coming on. We, in this discussion, got into introspection, learning a little bit more about, or maybe letting go of the word learn completely, actually, stepping into our felt sense of selves getting away from the models that we attach to the things that we think that we're supposed to be doing how we think we're supposed to move and really just starting to slow down a little bit and feel into our hairs in the back of our necks feeling into the weights in my left foot in my right foot in the front foot back foot feeling into this body so we can get more out of every aspect of ourselves and our lives Come on now.
0: Think about, just think about the skin on the back of your head, and the back of your neck, and all the little hairs on the backs of your shoulders. Right, you see you're already moving. What I teach is about perception, and that the way our bodies organize is from the inside, through the nervous system, according to what we feel in the moment
1: really super interesting conversation. Um, Thank you for tuning in. I am leaving Morocco in like two days, and I'm freaking out because, man, life is cool here. Surfing multiple times a day, jumping into cold water. Feels so good. I'm going to go to Italy and uh, do really great stuff there too. But freaking traveling, holy heck. Slight uh, slight crisis going on. But that's okay. Um, please tune in to the AlignTherapy.com website, A-L-I-G-N-Therapy.com. Hopefully you enjoy the hundreds of free videos on self-care and functional movement that I provide you on there. The, check out the self-care kit um it's on amazon you can check that out it is currently sold out talking to people getting a shipment back to amazon uh, it's not as easy as you would think being in morocco but uh it's happening they're coming back um self-care kits foam roller balls bands inside all fits inside that little bugger keep your tissue moving fantastically as you know and throw it in your car, throw it in your couch, whatever you got to do, just throw it anywhere you want, pull it out anytime you want, work it out, Um, please utilize the subscribe slash share slash comment review potentials on iTunes, that's greatly helpful. And I'll shut up here in a second. Got some quotes for you really quick, and then we will move the heck on to the show. First quote is from Mr. Moshe Feldenkrais. Um, I might mess this one up a little bit. goes something like, We move in accordance to our self-image. So think about that. Ponder, ponder, ponder. We move in accordance to our self-image. So... As you are moving through the world, if you are feeling sad, if you're feeling happy, if you're feeling greedy, if you're feeling big and strong and expansive, if you're feeling like you deserve it, whatever it may be, that will impact the way that you carry your head, carry your shoulders, carry your pelvis, carry your knees, carry your feet. Every movement that you make, you're constructing your system, you're painting your picture, you are a walking landscape. We are all our own Monica Lewinsky or Mona Lisa, <laughs> whatever. And uh, so every moment we are, we are adding paintbrush strokes. Sorry, I'm looking at my screen here to prepare for the next quote. Contradicting my thoughts, damn it. Um, so just think about that. Do you feel like you deserve it? as you're moving through the world. Do you feel big, do you feel expansive, or do you feel like kinda small? Because if you do, guarantee them shoulders are gonna come forward, that back is gonna hunch forward, that head might come forward. You are gonna start guarding your organs, guarding your neck, and moving kinda funny and crippled-like, which will end up leading to hyperkyphosis, Dowager's Hump. The hump means, uh, what does it mean? Dignified elderly woman That's what that means. <laughs> you don't want that. All right. Uh, next quote, really quick. Reading, like I said last week, uh, reading up on Stoic philosophy because I'm going to Rome and uh, I want to be savvy with all that stuff. So here we go. Final quote of the podcast um seneca talking about the dangers of constantly seeking out pleasure pursuing pleasure seneca warns us is like pursuing a wild beast on being captured it can turn on us and tear us to pieces he tells us that intense pleasures, when captured by us, become our captors, meaning that the more pleasures a man captures, the more masters he will have to serve. Um, even things like a hot shower, or things like a cozy blanket, or things like whatever you need your garage door opener. All these things in our lives that make our lives easier throughout the day end up making us weak. So what we need is we need a balance between work and really going out there and getting after it. When the water's cold, jump in. When the weight's heavy, pick it up. And a balance of that and uh, having a nice cozy place to sleep sometimes. But recognize that that nice cozy place that we have to sleep and the hot shower that we have and all that, it will end up leading to weakness to a degree. We need to work it out, work it hard, work it strong, and then come back to nice stuff. And... Um Seneca is pretty good about breaking these things down with us. Think of yourself as almost having like two selves and an interesting approach with it. If the self that only seeks pleasure, then you have the other self, which is the one that's willing to jump off the cliff, willing to jump into the cold water. Let's try our darndest to maybe feed the one that's willing to jump into the cold, muddy water a little bit more often because that mud is filled with probiotic bacteria, it's going to make you stronger, that coldness is filled with all sorts of fantastic stuff, it's going to develop your cold shock proteins and all that BS, making you happy, making you strong, making you cultivate brown adipose tissue, all these terms that are completely irrelevant, the strongest, fastest people in the world don't know any of these terms and they are killing it. All they know is their landings off that jump was butter, (laughs) and they don't need to know the science of it. We end up getting lost in the science, and then we get so confused by all this linear definition of stuff that we're just these, like, Lego block systems. Anyways, that was too many words. I apologize for all this. Please enjoy the podcast. Thank you so much for subscribing, sharing, and doing all that goodness. And uh, thanks for buying self care kit. That's really nice of y'all. Here we go! Brick it, brick it, brick it. Married bond. A
0: line Align podcast.
1: But I've been dancing with this this thing where it's like your body can become a prison you know, or it can be this boundless mover through space, you know, but it's, it's our conscious decision on how we actually move ourselves, move our tissue, move our thoughts, you know, that determines this house that we live in, you know, so I'm curious, what, what does it mean when we say fascia can solidify? What, how does age impact that? How do we deter ourselves from the solidification of said fascia? Like what's, what's our plan of plan of attack with that? Best plan?
0: Well, uh, one of the things that impacted me in, in studying all this was watching, uh, studying with Gil Headley, who does um, dissection classes. Sure. Mostly for body workers, but also somatic therapists and fitness professionals, anybody interested in the body. And he has this very accessible YouTube video called The Fuzz Speech. Right. You've you've seen it, I'm sure.
1: He's a, he's a rolfer. I'm a rolfer as well. We're we're uh, he's been on the show as well, actually, Gil. Yeah.
0: Okay. So so the just basically what happens when you go to sleep is your fascia lays down this sort of fuzz. So if you picture it like cotton candy, that just becomes um, stale <laughs> and sticky. Hmm. So that's what happens when you get up in the morning and you're a little bit stiff. So that. Increases exponentially if you don't move in your life, if you're not moving in your day. Then what happens during the night when you're sleeping is just happening all the time, and you become less and less and less mobile. So you're there, all the joints in the body become less able to uh, express you. And so then your self expression becomes less
1: sure and what's what is actionable tips that people can do in your in your book the new rules of posture you have like a big variety of potential techniques and movements that people can do for people at home how does someone access boundless movement, expressive movement, functional movement in their body. You know, the perspective that I take on this is that every moment is an opportunity to get better in your body and your mind and all that, you know, so making it so that when you're picking up your baby, when you're writing a letter, when you're sitting on the computer, when you're driving your car, when you're doing anything, it's an opportunity to move better. Is there some type of like a guideline or some kind of guidance that people are able to utilize in order to make sure that they're doing the right thing for their bodies?
0: I think um, I just wrote a uh, five five step um, fitness tip thing for the um, Saturday Evening Post. <laughs> well, the Saturday Evening Post is a magazine that I used to read when I was a kid, and now people who read it are over fifty five. Yeah. Okay. So it's it's a certain demographic, and so I'm thinking, how in the world am I going to give them a fitness tip in 200 words or less that will be relevant and true to me because what I teach is about perception and that the way our bodies organize is from the inside through the nervous system according to what we feel in the moment and I think that feeling safe in the moment is the most important thing, being comfortable and safe, okay? So how do you develop that in a person? Most people don't feel comfortable, they don't feel safe, and they override it with a lot of talk and a lot of movement even. It can be people who go to the gym, I'm not speaking necessarily about you, but people who... (laughs)
1: how dare you
0: overcompensate <laughs> for the for the sitting you know for the stasis by extreme sports let's say these guys that just died you know diving off whatever it was halftone. dean you potter know, you heard of them. yeah You're talking about dean potter yeah
1: very sad okay.
0: doing that incredible crazy stuff. I think that's an overcompensation for the fact that the culture in general is using their body in the wrong way.
1: Right.
0: So so we go from the extreme of sitting and then going home and becoming a couch potato to, you know, flying flying through the air in these incredible ways. Right. Which I'm I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm just looking at it as a phenomenon of our time. You know, there's these extremes. Okay, so what I'm interested in is is helping people build awareness so that they can find their own way to take care of their body. There's a billion ways. You know, there's Pilates and yoga and fitness and going to the gym and rolfing and massage and Tai Chi. You know, I mean, there's a billion ways. But what's the right way for any individual, well, the person is not going to feel it or reach for that unless they're in touch with their body in some way, which many people are not. You right. know, It's just like we've checked out of the body right. as a culture. And it becomes more and more extreme the more, we, more time we spend uh, attuned to electronic media, rather than being attuned to each other, you know?
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: And and so um, I'm interested in two basic feelings in the body and in, um, I don't know, marketing them, I guess, as valuable. Okay, so one of them is the capacity to yield and to really truly feel that you're supported by this earth. Hmm. And that seems like po- poetry or an abstract idea, but it's very real. And many people do not rest into contact with the ground. They stand on it, but they don't allow the earth to come up and really meet them. Right. Same with a chair, or same with another person. Yeah. No. So... There's a kind of hovering that has become endemic so that everybody is is ready to go to the next thing the next mouse click, the next you know whatever the next web page and so there's this n- never really resting and being supported so that's that's one of the prime um, you can call it grounding, sure. but that's in a way too simple because it it goes back to how we were held as infants, hmm. you know yielding into our mother's belly before we were born. right? So we know that in our bodies, in our organisms, we know that. but we come out here into the world, and the world is is first of all, way too bright and way too loud. Great. and and many many caregivers are uh, distracted. You know, and and not as um, nurturing as they could be. Uh, I heard a, a talk recently where somebody said um, everybody's family was dysfunctional. You know, and I think to a degree that's true.
1: That's what makes it beautiful.
0: Yeah, of course. I'm not saying that's that's bad or should be corrected. It's just a reality. You know, so all of us have some place where we've been wounded where we need to feel safer about something. Right. And so that's, that's one of the kind of primary perceptions. And the other one is about the way that space can be supportive. The surroundings can actually be supportive. So <clears throat> the simplest example of this is the way we use the eyes and the eyes tend to be used in the sagittal plane increasingly more and more looking for the goal, looking for the, for the whatever it is that we're looking for on, the, on our phones. You know, everything is just very focused. And so we begin to use the eyes in this very narrow way. And as soon as you begin to do that, your head moves forward, your chest moves down. The whole front line of your body becomes compressed,
1: sure.
0: And you can go and do rolfing, and you can go and do exercise and Pilates and yoga and stretch that out. But if the perceptual habit of over focusing is ruling you, you see, then you maintain the habit of of that folding in on yourself as your primary presentation so being aware of what the peripheral vision can do you know being aware of the surroundings your surroundings even if they're boring surroundings you pay attention to the space around you and the minute you do that your head comes up your chest opens up a little maybe not be a huge amount but um that perception begins to balance the other end, which is the yielding and resting. So we need both. We need to be in the world and aware of our surroundings, unaware of each other, and of opportunities that are not right in front of us, you know, that are tangential. And so that's that's the exercise I gave them in my five-step under 200 words thing for the... For the Saturday Evening Post was a a little exercise to help people become aware of peripheral vision and that it actually, when you have it in place, it makes your balance better. So I had them, you know, I had the people um, who are reading the the little quip um, feel what it's like when they stand on one leg and focus on a single point, very strongly hard focus. And then change it and use the peripheral vision as well as focus and then stand on one leg and you're more stable because you have a spatial uh, component yeah. to your body organization
1: yeah that's something that I do with with clients as well and um, you know one of the things I've, I was reading I've, I actually forget ex- the ex- exact specific neuroscience of it but I believe when you're focalizing on one specific point you're activating more your your frontal cortex which isn't necessarily so fantastic or so savvy with balancing our body when we activate more a peripheral vision we're getting more into our animal brain and which is way more fantastic with doing things like running across a log hunting down pray, doing all these things that human beings need to do, you know, but we don't do it because everything is provided for us, you know? And so we're so focalized on these individual screens and the cell phones and, you know, everything is so, like right now, I mean, technically I'm looking into a wall, (laughs) you know, it's going out into space, you know, but I, I need to recognize that what I'm doing right now, I'm in a sense sacrificing myself for the sake of getting this message out or for the sake of developing, you know, my business or whatever, whatever reason it is. And when I get done, I'm going to go outside. I'm going to get in the sun. I'm going to take my shoes off. I'm going to look into the distance, you know, and flex that full range of motion of our eyes, which flexes the full range of motion of our brains and every other aspect of our system. Does that make sense? Does that sound okay? Yes, of course.
0: Yes, of course. But what I'm hoping for is such a up-leveling of body awareness you know, it's like that's, that's. I think my mission is, is to help however many people I can reach to value their internal sensations and the way they use their body. And so wouldn't it be great? I mean, it's. it, it needs to change the context of the way offices, for example, sure. are organized yeah. so that... Um, that the periphery can be interesting to people. So they're not just in a little cubbyhole, right. right, with only a screen to look at, but that there is something that allows them to expand at the same time. Right. So some, I think, very modern companies are starting to look at the health and well-being of their uh, employees as good business, you know, Sure, of but I think this is an aspect of it, so that so that it isn't a sort of banging back and forth between now I'm focusing and now I get to go out and be free. Because people don't, do you know? You do. You're aware of your body and you you care about it. It's your business. But most people don't. They they do their focusing and they work, and then they go home and they sit in front of the television. Or they have to go home, perhaps, and cook a dinner right. and take care of some children. So it's continued continued focusing over and over and over all the, all day long. So what needs to happen for people is that they become aware of the context all the time.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I couldn't so agree more.
0: That becomes, that becomes a practice which um, takes time to develop, and it, and it also requires people... Being, seeing the value of that, You're realizing that, that you can't keep on going on this sort of treadmill okay. of, of goal orientation and power, you right. know, trying to become more and more powerful all the time.
1: Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> okay? Yeah. That if,
0: you wear yourself out.
1: Sure. Albert Einstein. I'm really good at butchering uh, quotes and phrases and such. So I'm going to butcher this one. Albert Einstein said something along the lines of uh, you can't get yourself out of the problem that you got yourself into with the same thought process. So he didn't say exactly that, but that was what he was getting at. You know, and that is what I do believe, you know, my optimistic self is that we are a part of a change right now because of people like you, because of shows like this, because of, you know, they're the main leaders, you know, that are moving this social movement are starting to get this, this signal, you know, and they're starting to put it out there and they're starting to put out the tweets and put out the Facebook messages and, you know, do the radio shows and the podcasts and whatever. It's starting to become more of a normal thing, which I think is so beautiful. And I think that having that perspective, that we do have a chance, you know, things are shifting, I think is the most important thing. Thing. We just need to start to get genuinely excited about our health, you know, and I think that like you're exactly what you're saying our environment is us. We are our environment. You know, so the, the, the easiest thing that I think that people can do immediately if they want to shift the environment of their physical body is make their reality a little bit more natural. Make, you know, put your desk by a window, add a pull-up bar into your office so you can swing and move, you know, and then you start to just by having that stuff there, you use it, you use your body differently, but what the the standard mold that got us into this situation, I believe is these boxes you know we sit in the boxes, we look into the box, then we get into the box and drive the box to the work you know it 's like eventually that has to be that has to conflict with our our nature, which is, is isn 't linear at all you know i 'm curious for you, so your your perspective is is. Is obviously more about you know our perception and our, our belief impacting, or maybe not obviously more, but it seems like our, our perception, our belief impacting the way that we carry our body. Is it the case of chicken or the egg with that? Can you impact your perception on reality by shifting the way that you move in your body, or is the seed, mommy issues, daddy issues, now you're stricken with this you know forward head posture? Hmm.
0: I don't. I don't think I mentioned psychological issues just now. I mean I don't. I don't really, I'm not a psychotherapist, so that isn't my area of expertise. Um, As far as chicken and egg with the body, I think that we have to slow down in order to feel. I don't think that, for example, um, working out per se is going to help somebody change their perception. In fact, I think it could very easily solidify the habits that they already have because working out, whether it's a yoga class or a Pilates class or uh, working out in the gym, tends to become goal-oriented. So that over-focusing habit that I mentioned with the eyes can be also an over-focusing of the being you see. Sure. So um, it, it's to I know I know myself from going to Pilates classes, for example, that I get into the It's one o'clock. I I get in
1: <laughs> good to know. Thank you. That's amazing.
0: I get into the sort of um, hypnosis of the class and the pace of the teacher teaching, you know, giving the instructions and so on. Sure. And I work harder than is good for me right? because I lose contact with my own, my own interior perceptions for that day because I want to be part of the group. And I'm speaking of myself as, as anybody. So we want to connect. So I want to be part of the group that's in there working like crazy doing Pilates. Right. But in the, in the process, I lose connection with my deeper awareness. Right. So what, I, what my work has been is to see if I can inject a little bit of that deeper awareness into teaching Pilates teachers. Sure. You know? Or teaching yoga teachers so that they can help bring these these ideas about perception into the way they present what they do, because otherwise it just it becomes all about muscles and shape. Right. You know?
1: Right. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, it's. Um... I think that it's, it's exactly like you're saying. It's really easy to get caught up, especially with, you know, ego. When you're involved in some kind of class or whatever, you're looking at the person beside you, you know, and you end up actually taking your, your felt sense out of yourself and into the competition between the other, which that's, that's not progressive at all. You know, that's actually hindering your development, which I think is, kind of, is, is what you're saying. And uh, once again, I think that we need to recognize, you know, that these classes, it's, it's, it's models and they're beautiful models. You know what they we need to use them as is as seeds, but not the whole picture. You know, so when you go to a Pilates class, recognize that you these are teachers. This is a guide. This is not the absolute. You know, the absolute is inside of each each and every one of us. Yeah. You know, and yeah. I think that's a really important factor with that is empowerment when you're in that class. Self-awareness, drop into yourself. If you don't feel like you need that movement, you probably don't need that movement. Or maybe you really do. A lot of the movements that we think that we should do are movements that we're already good at and we just perpetuate them and dig the rut deeper and deeper and deeper. When really what we need is a guide to say, hey, bud, you have no thoracic extension. You know, stop doing forward folds. You know, so it's, <laughs> it's, that, it's, it's that dance between that that I think is the most important.
0: Yeah, so that's... So, what this whole conversation has been is around that question of could I give mm-hmm. listeners some tips about what they need to do to keep their bodies in good order as they age? Well, no, I can't because right. it depends on whose body it is.
1: Sure. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. So, I mean, I can,
0: I can share what I do, but what do you do? that's you know, that's me.
1: What do you, what do you do? How is, how is thing, how have things shifted for you now that you are in your seventies? Was I just talked to the longevity sage, Peter Ragner, who's a radical guy. I'm, I i do not think I'm supposed to say how old he is because he doesn't usually talk about it, but, um, he's in the same realm as you and his perspective on age is super, super interesting. And he doesn't really acknowledge age as being a thing for him. You know, so when people ask him how old he is, he just says, how, how, I'm as old as you think I am. You know, it's, I'm, it's yeah. not important that I attach to this number so much because there's already this preconceived notion of what that number represents. And that preconceived notion is BS. It, doesn't, it has no relation to the individual organism. And same concept with taking classes, same concept with anything, you know, it's like that the prognosis doesn't necessarily relate to you. That's an average, you know, but more important is dropping into what's happening in your felt sense, your experience. Does that kind of, kind of sort of make sense, Mary?
0: Yeah, cool. makes sense.
1: So what, so how is, how has your movement practice shifted as you've, as you've been aging? <laughs>
0: Uh, Well, let's see. I grew up dancing. So you could say that I've always danced. And um, I'm going to ramble here a little bit. Go for it. So I think that dancing, so especially dancing that, well, most dancing is elegant, right? Even the craziest hip-hop can be super elegant. So elegance and ease... Are one of the hallmarks of what Robert Schleip has developed as fascial fitness. Right. So, in order to condition your fascia and keep it healthy for the long term, you want to do whole body movements that are elegant and have resilience and have a sense of pleasure and uh, are comfortable. Sure. So when I heard him talk about that, I felt like, oh, well, that's dancing, <laughs> you know, sure. that's yep. dancing, that's got to be part of it. So um, I, I have, you know, there are certain periods in my life when I didn't dance, but I would say always, in a, to some degree, I've always danced. And now it's very, you know, the the most recent dance that I studied was about 20 years ago. I studied belly dance for a while. And I think that is actually one of the most beautiful and powerful um, ways to condition the human body because the movements are so um, intricate and... Connected and fluid, sure. Um, and that's you know quite quite different from what we do in um, in everyday life in America anyway. Right. So um, so I still sometimes turn on music and improvise just for myself. You know I'm not not performing anymore. And um, but I but I love the music. And so if. If there's music that you love that makes you feel like moving, then do that, you know? Absolutely. And you don't have to be a dancer. You don't have to take a class. You just have to close your eyes and allow the music, music to move you. And you will be conditioning your fascia. Sure. <laughs> you
1: know? Yeah. You know? Yeah, I look at our body as being like a, a composition of sponges or rags, you know, and and those sponges and those rags are picking up, you know, all the endorphins and all the neurotransmitters and all the chemicals that are surging through our system. They're constantly picking all that up, right? You know, and so we really need to make sure that we are continually rinsing out every angle of our rags, you know, and when you go to a linear system, like you go to a box gym, you know, and you get in a machine, you are only really out a very, very finite percentage of said rag or sponge with something like dance. It's pretty fantastic because you're getting, depending on how much you're getting after it, you know, you're getting into all those little nooks and crannies of your sponges, of your rags, you know, and that's, I think that that is the fountain of youth, you know, and it's not just physical sponges, you know, it's also mental, emotional sponge, Right? You know, so oftentimes there's this really fantastic book called Raising Cain that I just finished up. And it's about little boys lacking the emotional vocabulary to express themselves. You know, so when you're feeling a certain emotion, if we are not equipped with the capacity in order to talk about it, you know, through our, with, our, with our words or with our movement, whatever it may be. It ends up building up. It ends up creating dis-ease in our system, you know. And I, I believe, I strongly believe that that is a, a core foundation to anything that is that is troubled in our system. I think it's a product of stagnation and a lack of that ability to rinse the sponge at every level. Does that make sense?
0: Yes, of course. Oh, good. <laughs> I'm That's one of of, uh, Robert Schleich's metaphors for the fascia is that it's like a sponge.
1: Cool. Yeah. So, so I'm curious as well, what about the pelvic floor with being specific things and getting, you know, getting a little bit more, more specific? What's, what do we need to think about? Or what can we think about in order to stabilize and maintain, you know, a strong elastic trampoline of a pelvic floor that's not dealing with things like, you know, prolapses and, and things that are just not nice to think about? You know, like how how do we maintain that? You know, especially with getting into old age. I think oftentimes people just expect for things to just fa- start falling out. It's like that's, that's, not, that's not accurate, you know. But it's, it's, it's something that we as a society, I think we're starting to, accept that and that that's I think again a core issue that we can't accept dis-ease and dishealth. You know so is there something is that something that you think about and teach about and something that people can kind of have a better understanding of the value of having a strong supportive stable pelvic floor?
0: Okay, so that's actually kind of a big topic. Yeah. Okay, and I'm not an expert about it, but I can tell you some experiences. Um, I did talk about the pelvic floor in my book, The New Rules of Posture. Yes. Um, there's a whole chapter on the development of core stability, and um, several of the exercises are uh, teaching people to activate the front triangle of the pelvic floor, through the kind of Kegel-like movement, which, which links to the fascia that uh, surrounds the, the deep core stabilizers, the transversus and the internal oblique. So one avenue I found in teaching to help people feel the tone in the abdominal area was by doing Kegels. It's very slow motion, Kegel movements to draw up the pelvic floor. So um, I teach it as an avenue to developing core stability. But I don't think that having a strong vice-like pelvic floor is is the goal. No. Nope. Right. <laughs> so that could have problems of its own. But so. Um, in one case I was working with a woman who was very overweight and um, had a real problem in her lower back and was walking with a cane and so I thought you know as a rolfer I did what I could to try and organize the lumbar sacral area but I also saw that with all this huge amount of excess weight, she really needed some core stability, something in the front to protect the back. So I taught her these exercises, you know, of drawing up through the pelvic floor. There's several of them described in my book and also on my DVD, which is called Heal Your Posture. Um, There's a whole um, demonstration of that. But at any rate, I taught her the exercises and she went home to practice and the next time she came back, she didn't have the cane. And what she told me was that she had no longer she was no longer suffering from urinary incontinence. Which she hadn't told me was a problem. Right. Okay.
1: Most people don't. That's a big issue with a lot of things, I think.
0: Don't tell you. And so this is this was really nice for her. And so that's one piece of the puzzle. Another piece of the puzzle is that somebody told me recently that most women who are in nursing homes in the United States are there because of urinary incontinence. That's one of the things that their home caregivers just could not deal with. So they go into homes. So, um, And I think my observation is that the lack of core support has been more, um, more a problem for women than for men. I'm not positive this is true, but it's been my observation. Yeah. Part of that, I think, is because of pregnancy and also the monthly cycle for years and years. The whole abdominal region is like getting bigger, getting smaller. It's just a, a constant flux. So many times that core area gets... Sort of, I, I, I think of it as having amnesia. It, it, you forget that you have life there. Right. Okay. That said, the perceptual approach to organizing the body that I mentioned before, where you really learn to find the ground of yourself and to drop in and yield to the earth and simultaneously orient yourself in space, what those two perceptions do in concert is lengthen the spine and turn on the core stabilizers automatically. So when you do a full body movement with a lot of awareness, the core stabilizers turn on anyway. Okay? Sure. So... um, I teach it both ways because my experience is that if you have no sensation in the abdominal region, if that's lacking for you, then it's harder for that two-directional perceptual approach to, um, for you to be aware of the core. Right. Okay, so, so we really need um, both ways.
1: It's a, and one of the things just the the word that comes to mind is, is um, 50 cent word of the podcast is ground reaction force, which is essentially how our body relates to the ground pushing up at us as well. You know, when you're moving around through space and you know, the ground doesn't just fall out underneath you, you know, if you look at like, if you're walking around on sand, that's different than if you're walking around on rock is different than if you're walking around on a trampoline, you know, so every one of those consistencies of the ground impacts the way that your body Responds to said ground, right? And so it's that relationship that's the up. You know, and then there's the relationship of the down of gravity pushing through our system. That balance between there at every level of every joint, there needs to be homeostasis there. There needs to be balance. When there is balance within the joints, within the the transverse abdominis, which is like the corset muscle wrapping around our, our belly and our back, you know, when we have this balance between every aspect of our system, then every movement becomes therapeutic. You know and that's that's what we're shooting for here you know is getting to that point You know, you don't want to add strength on top of dysfunction. You know, so if your system is already kind of tilting over, you know, the Leaning Tower of Pisa, you know, you don't want to put a bunch of gravity down on that. You know, whatever gravity is on it right now is like as much as we want to do. But you start to stack that system up. And all all of a sudden, it starts to be able to support so much more. And at a biological level, that support ends up creating momentum, you know, it ends up creating energy at a cellular level. Things start working well, you know, and so that's what we need to be thinking about with like things like pelvic floor stabilization and, and you know, getting the, the elasticity back in that space. I don't think that the, the, the wisest decision is necessarily just do Kegel exercises. You know, you, it's, it's first get yourself into a strong foundation, you know, balance the bowl and then move. You know, but with so many people, we don't balance the bowl first because we don't know how, you know, we're so messed up from sitting in these chairs. We're so messed up from whatever. It could be psychosomatic stuff as well, impacting us. You know, if you grew up, you know, with X religion or whatever, maybe you are ashamed of your genitals. You know, maybe you want to cover that space up. Maybe you are ashamed of your breasts. You know, you, there's reasons for us to carry ourselves in different ways, you know, and that carries deeply into a biological level. Does that make sense?
0: Yes, it makes sense. However, when you talk about the ground reaction force, uh, I I think that that whole conversation is looking at this orienting of the body from a biomechanical level. Okay, sure. which is absolutely fine. You know, we we need that. We need that level of understanding. Right. I'm trying to add to that an awareness level that goes, maybe goes to a more primitive part of the brain, maybe it goes to the brainstem to where you have the ability to rest in any part of your body and really feel supported. Sure. Okay. Of course. So, that um, that's a more subtle and deeper connection for people. And I don't think it's for everybody. You know, not everybody is going to want to be that um, aware of themselves. But I, on the other hand, I think that we all have that capacity because we all are primitive organisms. You know, we are. We are just like uh, a, a bit of slime mold in a Petri dish, you know? <laughs> sure. We are. Right. We, we, have, we have that um, inherent motion and uh, relationship to the environment.
1: Sure. The reason that I attach to more, because I, I feel the same way, um, you know, but with, in regards to speaking to the world about this stuff if I am only, it's so much more challenging to express something like uh, spirit, you know, or it's so much more challenging to express something like, you know, the, the, the deeper sensations that are happening with inside myself, you know, what people, but uh, but what people can attach to, in my opinion, you know, is they can attach to once again, these models, you know, these symbols, these things of like, Oh, okay. I can, I give me something to grab onto. It's like, Oh, pelvic floor, okay, here's this thing, you know, and we start, okay, transverse abdominis, here's this thing, foot support, okay, okay, stack of my head down through whatever, terms or whatever, I think what that does is at first, if you give somebody one little concept or term or whatever it could end up blinding them more than anything. But I think with time, we kind of keep on feeding people and feeding myself this, you know, these little tidbits of information, it gives you some foundation to ground yourself from. So you have the support to go out into more of the introspective realm. But I think it also can be kind of confusing as well. We can get too mechanistic in our thinking. We can get too scientifically based where we miss, we miss the forest for the trees. But nonetheless, I think having that foundation, again, butchering a quote, somebody clever said something along the lines of, definition is the foundation of knowledge, you know, and so, or something like that. Wisdom, definition is the foundation of wisdom. And what they meant by that, I think, is, you know, once you're able to create that supportive foundation of something that you feel like you can hang on to, from there, it gives you the the freedom to kind of go out beyond that. But oftentimes, I think we get stuck at the definition. And that's, and that's a, you know, that's kind of like the state of a our country, perhaps? You know, that's a state of a lot of individuals. Where we, it's, If it's not seen by the flashlight of science, then it's not real. And then we disregard everything else. You know, but I think it's really important that science meets introspection and vice versa. We need to come from both ends. And everyone needs to talk. You know, physical therapists need to talk to massage therapists, need to talk to Kairos, need to talk to MDs. You know, I think that's the most important thing is this integration at every level, including the approaches of medicine. Is that kind of, does that sound sound like something?
0: I think we're trying.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Totally. (laughs) So, something that I'd like for people to be able to, to tinker with, as far as something like grounded, you know, a platform to stand on, something that you talk about in the book. Is you call it skin intelligence, which I believe now I think, but you know, since you wrote the book, is now like a skincare cream line or something like that. So don't look up skin intelligence online if you do, um, unless you want skin cream. I'm sure it's a great product. I don't know. Uh, But something you talk about is skin intelligence, you know, and the intelligence that we have throughout our fascia, the intelligence that we have throughout this connective tissue system that we're living in. You know, they say that our fascia, our connective tissue is more dense with mechanoreceptors or sensory receptors than the retina of the eyes. You know, so it's like pretty sensitive stuff with interpreting this information that is around our world. Most people in this modern world, I think are fairly shut down to what's happening in their connective tissue, their sensory system. It's almost like, you know, for guys, especially, it's like, what are you some kind of like, you know, Sally that you're sensitive? You know, it's like, it's, it's almost like, it's not okay to be sensitive in your body, I think, depending upon who you hang out with. What do you say to people to start that kernel, start that seed of development, of sensitivity in their body. One of the things that you mentioned in, in your book that I thought was cool was when you breathe in and take a deep breath and you feel side to side with your ribs, there's generally, for me at least, there's, there's a different sensation or a different like shape or contour or expansiveness from your left side to your right side because the shape of your organs are different. You know, your liver's this huge solid thing and your stomach's this, you know, fairly smaller, more elastic bag. You know, it's like when you breathe, if you're sensitive, you can feel the shape of your inner contours. To a lot of people, that's like, Aaron, you're insane. You smoke too much pot, you know. But <laughs> if you if you get into it, you can feel this stuff. It's a real thing. How do people start feeling that?
0: Well, that's a good one. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's funny how when you ask a, when anybody asks a question about the body, usually they know the answer already. I find that a lot with my clients. Sure. Um, but yeah, so it has to become interesting to them. Right. You, know, you you don't just feel that once. Then you have to feel like okay. I feel, the, I feel a distinction between the way the air fills my body on the right side and the left side. Okay. What, how does that relate to the way I stand on the ground? Is there a difference in the way weight translates down through my left knee and to my left foot compared to the right foot?
1: Right.
0: You know, um, do I have more weight on the outside or the inside of each heel? So there's, there's a million different body awareness questions that can start somebody on the road of, of kind of a body journey. Sure. But um, you mentioned skin intelligence. I coined that because the skin is another way to um, tune into the spatial dimension of the body. So for example, if you just... Right now, um, think about, just think about the skin on the back of your head, and the back of your neck, and all the little hairs on the backs of your shoulders. Right, you see you're already moving, yeah? You can think about this, the little tiny hairs on the, the small of your back and around the buttocks, and down the backs of your legs. And all that, all those little hairs on the back of you are touching the air behind you. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's beautiful. And I, that's something, are you, are you, do you have more to that?
0: Yeah. There's okay. always more. Well, so I, if, if you do that and you, and you think, okay, so those little hairs are like antennas.
1: Right. You
0: know? And so they're reading the space behind my body. And if... I then walk around the room with that awareness. How does that change the coordination of my body compared to the way I walked before we did the exercise? So that's, that's part of it is always to help somebody feel what their norm is and then give them some sort of sensory food that will change the way their body organizes. Awesome. Because if you're like, like an amoeba or some small creature, you know, a, a sea creature, and you touch it, it changes its orientation according to how, how it was touched. We're the same. So Even if you imagine the touch on the back of your body, right. your organism responds to that. Sure. And it responds to, to that in a way that as Rolfers, we know is beneficial because it opens up the back line of the body. Yeah. Okay. And so what's, what, what the problem is, is that so much we're focused on the front of the body. We're very frontal creatures. We don't have awareness of the back. And as soon as you bring awareness of, the, of, of your back body and of the space behind you, it changes the way you move. Awesome. And for some people, that could be a game changer. Totally. That could be the elimination of back pain or hip pain or, you know, because it does change coordination.
1: Right. Yeah, and and it's, it's so important to recognize that our system is this moving pump You know, and as we are walking, as we are moving, as we are breathing, as our heart is contracting, you know, as every cell in our body is expanding and contracting, that pump is moving the old stuff out and bringing the new stuff in. You know, and so as you – but if you put yourself into a compromised position and you roll forward like so, like so many people as we're looking at our computers or, you know, whatever – that ends up compromising the efficiency of the pump. It's like you kind of slanted the pump on the side and you're trying to get it, but it keeps hitting itself at, at, at the angle and you're not able to get that full expression of, of the pump, you know? And so when you, when I did that, when you did that, that little exercise there, and I was thinking about my little antennas between my butt cheeks and a bit in the back of my head, you know, I was, what I felt is I felt my body coming back a little bit. And obviously I'm leaning forward a little bit because I'm sucked into this black hole that is my laptop as I'm talking to you. You know, but as as we go through that exercise, it's something that everyone can do right now. You know, it's something that you can just bring your awareness into the back, and you will notice your lung capacity will open up a little bit. You will know exactly. you will notice that all of a sudden your weight will become more grounded down through the center of your foot, very likely more back into the heels a little bit, you know, depending upon where you're at, maybe you're already too far back. Maybe you're like the 1% of the population that's already lives back there and you could use noticing the front of your chest more, you know, but in general, just playing with that full, you know, biosensory awareness of, of, of what's happening in the front of me, in the back of me, in the side of me, you know, what that does is it starts to kind of like, it gives your body an internal compass in a sense, and kind of starts to bring you back to a balanced space. Does that well, kind of, kind of make sense?
0: Yes, it be, you begin to remember that you're three dimensional. People experience themselves as flat, right, without right. even realizing it. Right. You know, I, it's very common in my practice, and I teach them something like this, and they're like eyes open, and they go, "Oh, I'm, I'm three dimensional. I have depth." Right. <laughs> so there's got to be. Intra psychic component to that, sure. But you know, then you have to go out and practice. It has to become something that is of value to you, right? You know, so that you practice you practice sensations rather than practicing movements, right? Because sensations are like food to that deeper part of the nervous system that's in charge of coordinating movement efficiently. Right. So when you, when you uh, work with movement through a sensory means, you automatically get better coordination. Whereas if you try to fix the coordination, you're just laying a concept on top of whatever the patterns are already there. Yes, exactly. Okay? So if you work from sensation, then the body organically... Is able to sort of um, unwind itself to one level, one one step closer to its normal.
1: Right. Yeah. yeah, one of the things that you mention in your book as well is is bones being more like internal spacers than just supportive beams, you know. And um, Tom Myers, he says he says bones floating, bones are bones are floating in a sea of tension, you know. And all this gets into tensegrity models, you know, which are the little I don't mine's behind me somewhere, you know. But it's it's that little. It's like a children's toy, essentially, or a little band, elastic bands and the little wood blocks. And when you push on any aspect of the, of the tensegrity model, the whole entire system changes, you know, and it really, we need to start looking at our body again from this three dimensional perspective, you know, because it's true, you know, our bones are, we are not just this static supportive building. You know, but we're actually, this organization, this communication, this dance between this elastic network that is our connective tissue. You know, and I think it's something else that's kind of, this might be a little bit too out there, but when you think about yourself more three-dimensionally, and you get out of that two-dimensional flat model, you take up more space. Right, You're so many people were crowded into this little bubble. You know, it's like, oh, well, I don't want to bother anybody. I don't want to. I don't want to mess with anything. You know, you walk into a room, it's like nobody's going to notice me. Nobody's going to notice me. It's okay. It's okay. It's like I say, screw that. You know, I want to walk into the room and I want to expand and I want to integrate with that room. You know, what what we need to recognize is that our perception of ourselves, our awareness of ourself, is going to directly impact the way that we carry ourselves. You know, and that's all like metaphysical hoo-ha, what that metaphysical hoo-ha translates into is you standing up straighter, you becoming a more effective pump, and you getting what you want out of life. When you go into a job interview, whatever it is, if you're aware of your three dimensionality, you don't necessarily need to have the terms for it. You can represent it without studying any of this crap, right? You can you can embody this without ever knowing, you know, what ground reaction force is. You know, again, all this stuff is symbols. You can get it without it. But when you start to actually move that way, all of a sudden, people start to respect you. Very interesting. All of a sudden, you start to you know, demand respect when you come into a room. You know People are like, wow, that person really has their life together. Why? I'm not sure. I just got a good feeling about him. What was that good feeling from? It's that subconscious perspective of when we look at somebody, the way that they carry themselves in the body directly impacts the way that we feel about them. Is
0: that... Is that... Absolutely absolutely however i don't i think it's important to stay with the felt sense
1: mm-hmm.
0: because um, just being bigger in the space then can become a thing that you're doing in order to get what you want right okay yeah. and then it becomes mechanistic again <laughs> so it's very important to really stay in the sensation of, let's say, the little hairs on your skin right. along your back. Right. Because when that's something that you cultivate over and over and over, and you have to stop and feel it, then little by little, you allow that to change the way you are with other people. Because it does change. Right. It's it's okay. when, when you're close up into the computer talking, you know, in, a, in a, a hurry to speak, that's a different communication and a different, um, it, a different thing happens between you and me. You know, when, when you have space around you, right. and that space is something that you are touching and it's touching you, and then there's space between us as well.
1: So, something that I ask everybody is: um, if you were able to go back to any age in your life and um, give yourself any kind of little bits of wisdom or advice or whatever, what age would you go back to, and what would you uh, what would you say to yourself if you could just give yourself one little message? Oh goodness, I
0: I don't think I can answer that question because. I really like the age I'm at Mm -hmm. right now.
1: What would you say? I really
0: really like it. I really like, I feel like things that were encumbrances, things that I would have reactions to, um, things that I thought mattered have fallen away because I know there are, are way fewer years left ahead of me than are behind me. You no, know? and it's just the reality, right? And and so, what's great about that is that I don't have time to be crazy passionate about anything, you know? <laughs> <laughs> okay? <laughs> so it's a lot calmer in here, you know. And so, I mean, I could have said that to any single uh age of myself before this and i would not have understood it right because i wasn't old enough to to be grateful to let go of of uh passion really i don't mean passion in a good way but but the kind of crazy passion that makes you oh lose sleep and you know
1: I will kill you because you disrespected my lover. (laughs) Whatever. Right. (laughs) All right. Well, (laughs) how do people find you? How do people learn more about what you are putting out into the world?
0: Oh, I have a a website. It's uh, healyourposture.com. There's a blog, there's some video blogs um, which are accessible through that. Um, but I also have a, um, YouTube channel called new rules of posture. Um, so all the videos are on that archive and that's enough, you know, or you can go to Amazon and buy my products. Just look up Mary Bond. I don't think there's any other Mary Bond selling stuff about the body.
1: Awesome. Well, cool. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate what you're doing and, um, I'm going to work on my backspace.
0: I appreciate what you're doing
1: too. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Thanks, Mary.